and gentlemen, welcome to the Dr. Script Show, where we're talking about your favorite movies, what was good, what was bad, and how we can improve on things. We don't just talk about the problems, we give solutions to the problems. And today, I'm here with my other very lovely Dr. Serena. Hi! We got a little special guest episode today. Uh, Serena is very passionate about the movie we're talking about today. Serena, what are we talking about? We are talking about, of course, one of the greatest movies in cinematic history, Pacific Rim 2. Uprising. Pacific Rim Uprising, same thing. You know, at least it's not like Pacific Rim Resurrection or like Revenge, you know. They tried something else. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, Serena, what do you think about Pacific Rim Uprising? Well, I'm a huge fan of the Pacific Rim franchise, and I would have to say Pacific Rim Uprising, in regards to the monster robot battle sequences, did not disappoint. However, is it as strong as the first one? Not even close. Oh, of course. I mean, it's hard to beat an OG monster fight with Guillermo del Toro in the helm. This one definitely is vaguely aware of what it is, but it's also not aware enough at times. They didn't fully commit to going, we know you came here for one reason. They realize we're here for the monsters, and then they're like, hey, we need some characters too. Add John Boyega in there, and he'll be like, I have nothing to work with. Let me, like, improvise this whole ice cream scene so you can laugh at it. (laughs) How many sprinkles can I shove into my face to get any form of entertainment into this film? I wouldn't be completely surprised if that was improv, because Scott Walker is just like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) It's just so dry. I mean, they just needed to understand, like, we come to the Pacific Rim films for one thing and one thing only, and that is the giant robots fighting the giant monsters. And I do appreciate that they did take that into consideration by expanding the genre and having robot monsters and monster robots. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, they definitely use different ideas for everything. Unlike the first one, this one, like, we really don't care about the people that are on screen. And that's why they're sort of aware of it, but not aware enough. Like, it is very glossed over, and I appreciate what they tried to do with the kids subplot, but I feel like adding kids into something like this is always just, like, a thing you groan about. Like, no one's favorite character in the Indiana Jones franchise is Short Round. (laughs) So it's like, oh, great, the kids are here. Yeah. You got uh, Boobs McGee over there, whose dad is a plastic surgeon, you know? Mm -hmm. And you got um, the one that's Russian, so she has to be an asshole. Yes. And then we have our main girl, Uh, Amira. Amara? Amira. Something like that. Is it Amira? (laughs) Yeah. Amira. Yeah, you can call us out on Twitter if we did it wrong. This is my favorite part about the Pacific Rim franchise is that the char- the characters are so not memorable because you <laughs> just don't care. Yeah, it's sort of sad and sort of true. But anyways, should we jump into this bad boy, give a quick little summary of what went down? Let's dive in. Cool. All right, so we open up with some quick little like, hey, did you watch the first one? If not, here's what everything's about. And we have John Boyega just being like, and it has been 10 years. I'm a bad boy. My dad died. Uh, now I'm about to rob this place. I feel like we could have done this in a different way. We'll circle back to this, I think, when we get into surgery. But when you ever, whenever you open up with narration, it's not a good sign. Just kind of starting off with also setting up our basic anti-hero arc here. He's like, oh, like, my dad was so cool and, like, I'm the rebel of the family, so I'm just burying my life in booze and hot sauce. (laughs) Oh, God, you know he's not good at negotiating when he exchanges his car for hot sauce. Just an entire pack of, more sriracha than anyone's going to eat for the rest of their life. Maybe he needs it more for his, like, ice cream toppings, you know? (laughs) Sprinkles aren't enough. (laughs) So, yeah, we open at this, like, 
junkyard full of Jaegers. He's about he gets double crossed by the people he's with, but he's also ready for the double cross. So he double crosses them as they're trying to get this one part for this Jaeger to go up. He ends up getting out of the situation. This one mysterious person Ooh. took the part and drove off. John Boyega runs back, follows this person to like this outer like a slum, like kind of like no one's really going to notice it type of secret hideout. Warehouse thing, yeah. It's revealed that it's our main girl, Amara, who's like just a total badass, you know? She's like, hey, I don't have a family, and I can build stuff. And I'm going to hit you with this pipe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we find out John Boyega accidentally brought the cops to their area, and now they have to go into the Jaeger that Amara has built. Scrapper, very memorable Jaeger. Oh yeah, we'll we'll have to come back to her. Uh, they go fight a bit, find out that there's a bigger, more legit Jaeger, and they have a quick little battle and everything. It's gonna be really easy to summarize this film because a lot of it is just battles. Like, and they have a battle for five to seven minutes, and then the robots are fighting, and boy, does it not make sense. But gosh darn, it looks so good. <laughs> yeah, you know, at least it's not like Transformers where it's like all just junkyard metal fighting each other like you know at least it's a nice little like hint of blue junkyard metal now the character design and the color design is amazing in these films we have to give credit where credit is due yeah so they fight the big jaeger guy lose immediately (laughs) yeah like john boyega puts up his best fight but man it's not even close and the two get arrested and then we go to john boyega again where he is taken aside and introduced to... Only character we remember from the first movie, Mako. (laughs) Mako. And it's revealed that they are related, brother and sister, by adoption, and she's been a very big government figure for the Jaegers ever since his father died. And now he's been... John Boyega's character, Jake, has been in and out of, like, certain scuffles and, like, has some records of felonies and he's going to go to jail. He's a bad boy. He's a bad boy, man. He's just, oh, man. You know he's a bad boy because they tell you how much of a bad boy he is. He has priors. (laughs) This is serious. (laughs) There's no way out of this except for being a ranger. Here's your new recruit who is conveniently Amara. Yep. He accepts because he has to or he's going to go to jail. They go to the whole Jaeger base. And even Amara is confused on why she's, like, there. She's just like, why am I here? And Bailey is like, I don't know. But That's pretty much it. <laughs> they do say, like, she's good at building stuff. And, like, you know. She, she piloted a Jaeger. Also, side note, we'll have to come back to this. The Jaeger tech makes no sense. But apparently, you know, she could pilot one by herself because it was small enough. And it's, it's a little fuzzy. Drift compatibility isn't an exact science. No. I mean, that was something in the first one that I definitely was like, this is stupid, but okay. <laughs> so then we are introduced to Scott Walker's character in this. Or sorry, Scott Eastwood, uh, Nate Lambert. As they literally only have this one female character for them to fight over. Just the worst forced love triangle in history. Her entire role is just, man, they both really want her. And, like, <laughs> bad, because there's no other women in this facility. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of pointless, I'm that, we're not going to bring her up again ever That's in this. Pretty much there's it. no, there's nothing else to her on that. So they have a quick chat and they're like, "Hey, this is where it's revealed to Amara that Jake is re- related to the OG uh, lieutenant guy S- Prescott Stracker, Pencott, Pen- yeah, Stracker Pentecost, yeah. Um, <laughs> <Eat your salva. laughs> yeah, that guy. 
As they're coming in, this is also when Charlie Day and his new, like, boss CEO woman come in, right? Mm -hmm. Around the same time? Yeah, they come in, and they're pushing this whole new drone program where instead of having, like, people piloting inside the Jaegers, they have these smaller drone-like Jaegers that are piloted by desk jockeys, and people don't (laughs) like that, man. No, man. They're coming to take their jobs. (laughs) (laughs) So then Charlie Day bumps into... Herman. Herman. He bumps into Herman, his good friend Herman, who they haven't talked to each other for 10 years. That's what I do with my good friends. <laughs> and Herman's working on some super secret tech with the boost to mass ratio, which is something that's way more important than it should be. Yeah, it, you know, again, it's just like science mumbo jumbo. But like, at the fact to the point where Charlie Day's like, what? I don't get this. It's this like- is a non-problem, man. <laughs> It's like, neither do we, Charlie Day, neither do we. And he has a space monster in his head, and he still doesn't get it. (laughs) Spoilers. Oh, sorry, yeah, I'm spoiling it, guys. So then Newt's about to leave Charlie Day, and Herman's like, Hey, Newt, I still have nightmares about that one time that we synced up in the first movie. Charlie Day's like, lol, same, in a way. (laughs) (laughs) Now Amara has been introduced to the rest of these trainee people, Man, what a memorable crew we have. Yeah, we have Boobs McGee, Mm -hmm. again, whose dad is a plastic surgeon. We have Russian woman. Who has to be mean because she is Russian. Yes, (laughs) but, you know, she has a solid arc that goes through. Hey, bigger is better. Mm -hmm. Maybe sometimes bigger isn't better. It was really well developed. And then there's the uh, three male characters. There's the one that's always scared and the one that's, like, kind of nice but, like, can also be a bit of a dick. And then the one that gets hurt that might be the same one, but I'm not sure. (laughs) Uh, sure. I mean, these, I don't even think they get, like, character introductions or anything, so. No, there's, like, the troll of lol guy, too, but that's about it. (laughs) (laughs) So Mara tries to drift, and she finds out that she just sucks. Mm -hmm. She is not drift compatible for some reason that we totally won't find out later in an exposition dump. And then we have the infamous ice cream scene with John Boyega and uh, Scott Eastwood's character where, you know, he just shoves sprinkles into his mouth. It is. It, I get what they were trying to do with this scene where it's like, hey, we need to build some chemistry between these two because they'll be sharing the Jaegers together. But it is just like, this is the one scene I would say that Scott Walker, or Scott, I don't know why I keep calling him Scott Walker, Scott Eastwood. <laughs> Sora checks in, they're like, because Boy again in the beginning is like, do you want a beer? And he's like, sure, why not? I should have offered him a cider, I feel like. That would have been more of a... Uh, Hey, you're not a man. I'm a man. <laughs> I'm like, eating ice cream. They're in the army. How do they have all this beer access? <laughs> a very casually stocked fridge for the army. It's got ice cream, sprinkles, beer, True. whipped cream. This is the one scene where it really started standing out for me for the rest of the movie that John Boyega is really trying his hardest in this. Like, he's trying to make everything work, and he's just really not given anything and Scott Eastwood right now is definitely like, eh, the paycheck cleared, I gotta do this. He's like, you know, a movie's a movie, man. Yeah, he's like, I get to punch Charlie Day at the end. <laughs> It'll be worth it. So they have that scene, and then do we just go to, like, the big Jaeger thing? Or is there, like, I mean, more talk about it? Yeah, there's, like, you know, if you skip ahead, they get... They're supposed to go and just, like, stand there and look pretty in the Jaeger for some press conference about something that nobody really knows. And I think it's something about the robot it's, drones. It's the reveal of the robot drones. And yeah. I think they have a vote that's supposed to happen, They too. had a vote. They voted for the robot drones. And then the secret, the, like, 
this, the rogue Jaeger comes out of the water and attacks them, and then there's, like, a whole huge battle scene, and it's revealed that this Jaeger has two god swords as opposed to the original franchise's one god sword. Oh, snap. So in that huge revelation, you have this pretty epic battle scene before the rogue Jaeger gets overwhelmed because they add more Jaegers and goes back into the ocean. Thus, and then, oh, Mako also dies. Yeah. <laughs> Only character we know that has some history from the first one. And she was, like, a cool character, too. It was, like, the only cool female character, really. I mean, Amara's decently cool, but, like, Mako was, like... She was badass, you know? She had been trained in everything. Like, Amara is all right, but they try and basically just... They copy and paste Mako's backstory to Amara's, if you really look at it. Yeah. And it sort of just make me wish that we had the lead from the first one. Riley? Yeah, Riley. Yeah. That would have probably improved things a little bit. And we'll get to that later yeah. also, because we'll I think there's a fun surgery. idea to bring up with him. But yeah, she dies, unfortunately. John Boyeg is really torn up about it. For like five seconds, and then, you know, we move on. Because in Pacific Rim, we don't have time to hold on to things. Nope, we don't. We have to get to the next robot scene. <laughs> and so, as they're, as he's like still trying to fix himself up, they find out that Miko sent a email that had a certain, like, digitized images and stuff that aren't completely together that Herman is trying to fix up and they're trying to figure it out. And it leads them to this like base in the middle of like the Arctic for a reason. I'm sure they said at some point. Well, we got, we have to say the uh, Charlie Day stuff. <laughs> oh, the Charlie Day stuff. Oh yeah. yeah. So it cuts to Charlie Day going home. And he's like, man, you know, this whole big Jaeger thing happened and my boss almost died. That would have been horrible. Right? I don't know. She's been on my ass all the time. He's, like, drinking beer or wine or something. And he's like, well, sorry. Sorry that I'm taking up my hold, like, talking so much. Well, how was your day? And it's revealed it's an alien brain. Oh, my God. He's having sex with a Jaeger. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, or not a Jaeger, Kaiju. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That was something. It was a good it- music choice on that one. You know? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you want to know what love is. Wow. Yeah. Oh, it's so on point right there. That's just part of, like, you can tell they're trying to be, like, I don't know if Mimi's the right word with it, but they're trying to kind of play up, like, yeah, we know what we are, so we're just going to have fun with it, but then they never quite fully commit, so any of those tones are just, like, a little awkward for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, did Charlie Day just pretend to have sex with a kaiju brain, too? <laughs> you know, I don't think he's pretending. <laughs> <laughs> Gives a whole new definition to the term mindfuck. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Hashtag mindfuck. Hashtag mindfuck. <laughs> so then it is figured out by Herman that the thing that was sent to them was this an area that they should all go to. So John Boyega and Scott Eastwood gear up and take uh, Gypsy down there. Gypsy Avenger. Gypsy Avenger, which is the Jaeger they use. To go figure out what's there. And they walk around in, like, this, yeah, Antarctica area. Yeah, Arctic-type scenario. And then who's behind them in... Who's but a couple hundred yards behind them, but the rogue Jaeger. Oh, snap. Who saw that coming? None of us. <laughs> so cue another good old robot v. robot battle. The god sword just gets obliterated immediately. Mm-hmm. But they end up outsmarting it, smashing on the ground to reveal... A kaiju brain. And I'm like, oh no, Charlie J just fucked that thing. <laughs> like, whatever shall we do? <laughs> but 
But then this is also the the first attempt to branch out in the franchise into the more like robot monster category. Yeah, it's cool. It's a good idea. Like the m- robot alien hybrids, like nice. And they've also bring that up to a different extent in a bit. Yeah, it's a good it's a good push out of the general format that they've been using so far for the whole film. Yeah. Everyone goes, checks out the whole kaiju Jaeger thing. For some reason, like, the kids go also. The kids go in there because, like, we're teenagers and we're naturally curious, so it's time for us to investigate. Nothing will ever go wrong. Oh, wait, but something does. It's so dumb. It didn't make any... I mean, I get what they... I don't even get what they were going with. It was just like, hey, yeah, let's touch something that looks radioactive. And then I get burned. Yeah, like, you're a fucking idiot. You don't, like, I'm not going in a fucking car just touching random wires and cutting them open. Like, yeah, I'm gonna get gasoline on myself if I do that. My favorite part is he gets, like, burnt in the arm and, like, collapses, and they're like, you're gonna have to go get help. I'm like, his, it's his arm. He can totally walk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I get that it probably hurts, but you could definitely walk him out of there. Well, I thought there would be something else with it besides, like, ah, we got, he got a little burnt. Because the next scene, Amara <laughs> is, you know, quarant- not quarantine, just, like, in... She's in, like, kitty like, prison. Exactly. <laughs> And she's like, is he going to make it? And John Boyega is just like, yeah, he'll survive. It's just like a little burn. And I'm like, well, that was dumb. Well, kick her out of the program for it. Yeah. I mean, I get that, too. Yeah, I guess she did break the law. <laughs> yeah. She did go messing around in an like, unspecified kaiju robot mix thing. Also, why was it so easy for them to get into this thing? Yeah. They just kind of walked in. I, I don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> and not great security but, at this like maximum level like military base. Oh, boy. And so, yeah, they tell Amara that she's going to get kicked out, and John Boyega sits down and, like, gives his quick backstory about everything, about, like, how when he was a little kid, he wanted to be like his dad, but he also did something stupid. He got kicked out of the program, too. And I guess we should also talk about that him and Amara also tried to, like, be compatible for the uh, Jaegers, and we got Amara's backstory where she was, like, on a pier... And was taking pictures with her family, and a kaiju came up and, like, accidentally, like, killed them. Not accidentally. Like, you know, probably on purpose. But, <laughs> um, like, oops, sorry. So she's super torn up about that still. And her arc is, like, able to jump, I guess, because, like, her dad <laughs> and her dad is like, come on, Amara, just jump, I'll catch you. And then she doesn't jump, thus causing her entire family to die. And we'll see that reflected. Yeah, but if you think about it, if she had jumped, she would have died anyway. So, like, what's what's the lesson? There's a conflicting moral here, because <laughs> yeah. if she did jump, she would have just died with her family. And it's like, okay, right, but, then, but then she jumps later, and that's what saves the day. So, <laughs> they're trying to make, as a, as a viewer, they really want you to think about this film. They're trying to set the tone <laughs> for a deeper, deeper Pacific Rim. Oh, man. So, yeah, anyways, that's happening. The special drones now are being flown to the base. Time for the big release. Nothing could possibly go wrong. Except something does go wrong. Oh, my God. <laughs> Turns out Charlie Day, after we see him have sex with a kaiju, is a bad guy. What? No, I don't believe it. None of us saw this coming. <laughs> Cue our introduction to the monster robot category. <laughs> Yep, they have these monster hybrid things, and so what they were doing with the kaiju is they were 
putting like little bits of their brain or something into the tech. They put like kaiju brain. They like wove it into the like uh, the wiring of the robot drones that they're about to release, and then using his computer, Charlie Day like activates all the monsters. So then they turn into these like half robot, half kaiju kind of hybrids and they just really go to town on the military base yes and herman and charlie day now are together and charlie day reveals that you know he's the bad guy and herman's like say what he's like bro what what about our intense friendship and then it's sort of revealed also that charlie day is like just being completely quote mind fucked yeah he's mind fucked and now herman's trying to save him and charlie day's Asian boss comes, tries to kill him. I actually love the one line where the woman's like, how did you do this without me noticing? And Charlie Day's like, well, you're always assuming you're the smartest man in the room. And she has a gun. She's like, well, I'm about to be. Okay, that was cool. Come on. That was cool. My one minor (laughs) nitpick complaint is that she shoots that gun with no recoil. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Oh, that's right. The strongest lady out there. Gosh. (laughs) (laughs) They got something wrong about physics in Pacific Rim 2? No way. Oh, yeah, no. Everything in that movie makes perfect sense except for that one scene. (laughs) So Charlie Day runs away as the other hybrid alien Jaegers are attacking the base. We lose a lot of secondary characters where I'm like, no, the Asian general, ah. Not that guy from the first movie. Was he in the first one? Yes, I think so. Oh, okay. (laughs) Ah, no, that guy. He was so memorable. (laughs) And so Herman ends up hacking. Is he the one that hacks or is it the No, the um, boss lady, she uh, hacks into the system and gets, on all the robots, just kind of like kill themselves, uh, what's it, like End of Avengers style. Oh yeah, they're all like connected or whatever. Yeah, so like hive mind, they all die like hive mind style. But not in time. Three kaiju are still here. Oh, no. And then there's some quote about, like, knowing what they're doing will help you, like, defeat them or something. And Herman's like, oh, my God, they're all going to Mount Fuji to, like, make a super bomb with their blood. And I know this because I've been working on the boost to mass ratio of fuel. (laughs) I've been working with kaiju blood. (laughs) <laughs> and then this is, like, the first time everyone else is hearing about this, too. They're like, wait, you've been doing what? And he's like, it doesn't matter. It's important now. <laughs> doesn't matter. It's, it's a-, a valid plot point. <laughs> it was extremely illegal, and I should have told you all that I had kaiju blood. But now it's very, it's very helpful. <laughs> because nothing... <laughs> because we can't possibly defeat the kaiju without rockets on our Jaegers. <laughs> But no other rocket fuel will work except for this kaiju blood, despite the fact that it's already been established that these robots can be lifted with two helicopters. <laughs> <laughs> and only the power of two helicopters. So then, yeah, they all come together and they're like, yeah, we can do this team, yeah. And they have a quick little montage of, like, everyone working together and, like, setting up their... Just, like, fixing all the... Because, like, they're pretty damaged from the battle with the uh, monster robots. And so, like, they're taking... They're fixing these, like, pretty extensive pieces of equipment for God knows how long. While the kaiju are still just going towards Mount Fuji, apparently. It's just a little weird... I don't... It seems... I mean, uh, to quote uh, Sam's favorite catchphrase, uh, don't need it. (laughs) But... Uh, It's true. It's true. And they have really, like, pretty cool music as this montage is going on, but it's them doing nothing. They're just, like, kind of, like, welding some things, and you're like, oh, yeah, there's um, uh, the Saber Athena. That's the only other one I can remember. Like, the one with, like, the giant, like, punchy fist thing, and... (laughs) 
You know, like, all those memorable ones. And then, you know, the only people that can, like, rally to fight are John Boyega, Scott Eastwood, and all the but children. <laughs> Nobody else is competent enough to pilot these giant machines. It's, like, why? Why? There's got to be other people, like, you could call up. Sort of like, you know, our other guy, Riley. Why isn't Riley coming? Is Riley? Riley's like, no, nah, no, the kid's got it. <laughs> like, let's believe it. Like, no, there's nobody else on this base except for two trainers and, like, seven recruits. Yeah. Like, this is like, all right, we're getting ready for the Olympics. We got our two captains and a bunch of college students who are freshmen. Like, what? <laughs> college. A bunch of 15-year-olds yeah. that started this thing, like, two years ago. And it's just, like really dickish on the government. Like, yeah, children are going to do it. We don't understand. You're more drift compatible if you start when you're younger. What? (laughs) Because you're more emotionally vulnerable. But what is, you know, the love interest woman doing at this point? She actually is just watching the whole thing happen, right? No, she's a mechanic. Oh, She had a wrench in one scene, I'm sure. (laughs) 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 To establish the only other thing we know about her character. So, yeah, they all get their... Jaeger's ready, they go to Mount Fuji, and they have this whole city battle. The city battle is fine, like, in ge- like the whole battle in general, but it's, like, it needed a better soundtrack, in my opinion. Yeah, I, w- I wanted the, like, da da Yeah. I didn't really get that. We got that during their little work montage, like, yeah, well, that, da Yeah, look at those yellow pieces of paper. You wave those light sticks. Cool, like, you know, each Jaeger's got its own, like, little thing. Like, I mean, Saber Athena has two swords because they finally cracked the code on that one. Like, we got the whip because a whip is a great weapon choice. And, <laughs> you know, and, like, the greatest part about that whole battle scene is, like, the recruits honestly just fight so well. And, like, John Boyega and Scott Eastwood do absolutely nothing pretty much the entire scene. And then they get, like, just destroyed by, like... The Mecha Jaeger. <laughs> yeah. Or no, the Mecha Kaiju. Because, like, there's, like, the three Kaiju, and then Charlie Day's like, oh, like, you thought you've seen it all, right? Well, I'm gonna, like, unleash all these, like, sperm-like mini-robots, <laughs> and they're gonna, like, take the three Kaiju, which, honestly, like, much credit to Pacific Rim. That was really, really awesome to see the three Kaiju, like, combine to make, like, a Mecha Kaiju. Yeah. Oh, I completely agree. That was, like... Pretty dank. And like, then thank you. <laughs> the big kaiju just towers over all the other Jaegers, and you're like, whoa, this thing's so cool. What, what was the quote again? Bigger is not always better. It's like, bigger is better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forget everything we learned from this movie. Bigger is better. And so as they make the big kaiju, we lose our good, solid character, Boobs McGee. Boobs McGee goes, and then um, the guy that's always terrified of everything, he's gone. He's, like, in the troll little little guys. Yeah. One, and, you know, he was really memorable. It's pretty sad to watch him go. They just kind of get, like, they get their butts handed to them, obviously, because, you know, like, we got to build this climax for the final fight. So Gypsy Avenger goes down, and um, Nate gets, like, sliced slightly in the side. So he's incompetent at this point. <laughs> the only person, of course, that can help is Amara, because thematically, that makes sense. So she, like, runs and jumps into the Gypsy Avenger and, like... Well, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> she's, like, uh, she's running to jump into, like, the little mask area that's been open. And John Boyd is like, you're not going to make it. And she's like, yeah, I will. And she just jumps. And she's seriously, like, maybe a hundred feet away from it. It's like, no. But then he, like, grabs her with the hand. And it's like, wow, you filled your arc. You jumped. You jumped. She jumped. I remember... Like- 
And, like, he kind of self-fulfilled his arc because he had that whole thing where he tried to pilot it himself and he only got two steps. So, like, he's able to, like, pilot it himself and, like, lift her up. Like, there was there's some some effort was put into it. It just wasn't a lot. Okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> they, we'll give him, like, a silver star sticker or something. Like, you did try, buddy. I gave you a 4.5 out of 10 on that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, there, there was thought. We'll give it to you. And so she um, puts Nate in the escape pod, which is stupid, because why wouldn't she just, like, set him outside? Because he can't have, move. Yeah, he doesn't... Does he have an escape pod? Is that... Well, no, so there's an escape pod under each pilot seat. Right. So she puts Nate in her escape pod, because you know that's totally not going to come into play later. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess that's, now that you point that out, yeah, they really should have just, like, all right, you are going to lay right here. You don't need to take one of these. And you can just, like, because it was pretty easy to, like, get in and out at this point. We could have just, like, because it's established later that, like, he can walk. I'm sorry. He can walk just fine. <laughs> you're, you're right. You're right. Damn. <laughs> Continuity errors are, like, people not thinking stuff out in Pacific Rim 2. Come on, man. Yeah, we expect it better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I didn't even really completely follow this. Now that Omara and John Boyega are in the Jaeger, hmm. they need to get... They, they don't have enough time to fly up and beat up the big Jaeger. Well, it's not going to do anything. They have no chance. It's too big. Yeah. So uh, Herman's just like, oh, we have all this blood that we can make you go up and break the, the, the atmosphere. The good boost Yeah. <laughs> From that, we'll have you just escape as the Jaeger goes and hits the kaiju really hard. Basically, their idea is like, all right, we can't fight him, so we're just gonna like, like kung fu panda him essentially, yeah. just like <laughs> land on top of him a bunch, I guess. But they're like, oh, it's too far away. We're never gonna make it. So now, you know, CEO Asian woman comes down and is using Amara's Jaeger. What was it called again? Scrapper. Scrapper, and she goes welds the little rocket onto their arm. And gets caught as they shoot up. And now they're going down. Break the atmosphere. Going down. See the kaiju. Escape. But now what? The escape pods don't work. Not ah. only do they only have one, but it's broken. Shizas. <laughs> and so the woman saves her, saves them. Gypsy, whatever, goes down. It's the Avenger. <laughs> Wait, also, the kaiju is like... Gets to the top and sort of does like an evil like roar like ha 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 I have done it, and the only thing I was thinking was just like dude just do it if you're gonna you already won it's like literally in, you know in the Incredibles where he's like damn you caught me monologuing <laughs> exactly <laughs> he's like also if you think about it because like the whole point is that like kaiju blood like needs to get into the volcano yeah and like they hit him like right on the lip of the volcano. So, like, I'm sure some probably got in there. Yeah, you're actually right. That thing... <laughs> so, okay, it hits the kaiju. We have a quick little fake out that they're like, oh, no, the kaiju still lived. And then we paint back and we see that the kaiju's body is just everywhere. It's obliterated. And, it, yeah, it totally would have definitely gotten a couple drips into the va- volcano at the very least. I don't know if the guy needed, like, all of the blood, but, you know, he got some of it. Maybe some sort of reaction, you'd think, but... So they saved the day... Charlie Day sees everything happen. He's like, damn, time for plan B. Turns around and just gets glocked in the face by Scott Eastwood. And Scott Eastwood's just like, not today, or something like that. So stupid, like, not today. You you thought, sir. (laughs) And, like, that's pretty much the end. Yeah, that's it. They literally just end right there. They're like, all right, you got your fights. Go home. You're welcome. Yeah, (laughs) we're doing you a favor. You don't want any, like, epilogue to all this. But then we get, like, almost 
an end credit thing where it's not really an end credit, but like it happens right after some of the credits where it's Charlie Day being like interrogated by other people and he's like, You won't they'll come again and they'll destroy everyone and then John Boyega walks in and he's like, Yeah, that's why we're taking the fight to them. <laughs> so uh, Pacific Rim Three, can't wait. Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah. That's the long and the short of it. I mean, it's not a very complex... It's more complex than the first film. Like, the first film probably could have been summarized in about a sentence. I guess. Maybe this one, I feel like we just... That was it. it well, a lot of fights, a little character development here and there, nothing great. A lot of ice cream and extra, <laughs> con- you know, sprinkles. Grab your sprinkles. It's time for us to dive into this one. <laughs> this isn't a bad... Ugh, it's a bad movie, but it's not, like, offensively bad or anything. It's just like, all right, I wasted two hours of my life doing that. This movie is saved by the fact that the first mo- the first movie already established, like, we're not going to see Pacific Rim for plot development. We're not going for good character arcs. Like, we're not going for those reasons. We're going because giant robots are going to fight giant monsters. So, like, with Pacific Rim 2, it was like, if you want to try and give me plot and character, you can, but, like, Let's get one thing straight. I'm here for the kaiju and the Jaegers, and that's about it. No, that's very, very true. They're, like, almost aware about it, like we keep saying, but, like, not enough where it's like, oh, man, it's going to cost too much money if we try and make this a whole two hours of fighting. Like, let's do something else. And that is, like, the most annoying part of (laughs) these monster movies in general, too. Because Godzilla 2014 is, like, cool for a bit, but then you're like, oh, now I'm here with Aaron Taylor Johnson again. (laughs) And it's like, oh, he saved that one kid in the train. Getting a little off track, but still, like, you, we don't care. They're not, inter- they're not interesting or, like, you know. Yeah, if they just fully committed to the idea of, like, we know what you're here for, so here it is. And, like, you know, we're going to put some stuff in between to, like, break, you know, just to distinguish between the fights, really. Like, I think the movie would have overall been a whole lot better. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a, meh. Oh, well. You want to take this into surgery? Yeah, let's bring this into surgery. Let's get that kaiju brain, open it up a bit, and see what's up. See if they're how we can attack them. Are now. we going to mind fuck the kaiju? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can go ask Charlie Day how that ends up for us. <laughs> I don't think, well, I mean, we do get to get hit in the face by Scott Eastwood, so that's pretty cool. Mm, you know, it's that's a fun little cocktail story. Like, that's oh, a yeah. <laughs> I got mind fucked by this alien, and then Scott Eastwood punched me. It's like Mondays, am I right? <laughs> Okay, so what's what's some things you would want to tackle with fixing this guy up? I mean, I think this movie does have a bit of... It's like, it's weird, because, like, is the plot deep? No. But somehow they still kind of fall under the whole, like, Star Wars syndrome, where there's just, like, there's a lot going on and nothing's really followed through on. Okay. So I think with anything, the first thing you gotta do is just trim the fat. Okay, so what type of fat do you think's there? I mean, there's just, there's too many characters. Like, that, that mm-hmm. whole, the, the female love interest thing, like, get out. Oh, like, my God, yeah. It's, it's like, borderline insulting. <laughs> like, just, just get, get her, get her the hell, like, or, like, make her someone else or get her the hell out of here. I think, you know, I'd probably half the amount of children recruits or... I just don't know why we need children recruits in general. Like, I get it for the story of, like, John Boyega was like, I was a mess up and now I need to make sure you're not a mess up. But I feel like there's a better story with giant aliens attacking. Like, we didn't, I don't think we need the kids for, you know, story's sake. We'll talk about them more and try and improve it. But it's not something I think is needed. If we did have just, like, one or two kids, I only remember Omara as, like, the little kid and Russian girl. Yeah, like, they're pretty much the only... You could honestly just have Amara and just have her be, like, shadowing him. Yeah. The whole time. Or, 
I think what could be interesting is like say Russian girl, you know, had the twin sister and the twin sister died and now Omar has to fill in for the twin sister. And so there's a lot more like resentment there where it's like you for one didn't have to do shit to get on this like whole program cuz you were like stealing. Two, you're not going to fill in for my sister that's dead or be any better. And then we have a little more clash of like they're not working together and that's not going to make the Kai the Jaeger system go any better and that just makes a lot more sense as to her because like she pretty much hates amara right from the start and like for some like kind of bs reason she's like you don't belong here and it's like all right but like dude chill like yeah you're still top of the class like you're fine <laughs> exactly like there's nothing that she amara does that really needs to like spark this like huge rivalry between the two like and it's like immediate too like she yeah. just looks at amara and she's like i hate you <laughs> it's like oh and then you know when you look at her character you're like oh yeah she's gonna be like just mean for no reason yeah so i guess if we're gonna dissect that one scene what is something that amara could do that pisses her off that we understand i mean like if amara did make a comment about like maybe like not wanting to be here like just wanting to go back to her her own Jaeger or something, or just acting like she's too cool for this. Like, you know, like, she piloted a Jaeger by herself. Like, she could be all, like, I'm a hotshot. Like, and then you get some, like, humbling of her when she finds out that she's crappy at drift compatibility, and then, like, just, like, a very, you know, like, keeping her very similar to Jake in the sense that she's, like, a little big for her britches, and she gets, like, kind of humbled out. Okay, I like that. Interesting. And I think the sister plot line's a better way to just, like, that makes more sense than for why she would just initially hate anyone. Well, also, it's, like, why she's so bitter about everything. I guess she, the Russian girl would be questioning the system at that point. Like, why are we having these bunch of little kids do this? And I think that should be something we should tackle, especially if the kids are so willing to go fight for... Yeah, they guys. just throw them into battle. There's no... Because, like, I get that, like, oh, they're training them young because they can form stronger bonds when they're older and ready to hit the field, but they just throw them in immediately. Yeah. Just, like, no hesitation. <laughs> I think the kids should steal that stuff and then, like, end up going there. So say it's just Gypsy Woman, whatever, Avenger, Avenger and we can throw in Wrench Woman so she can do something. Yeah, she's here. Yeah, say Wrench Woman dies in that scene, and so now John Boyega and Scott Eastwood are like, whoa, like, F this thing. Like, they're really amped and, like, macho now. Yeah. And so it's just them fighting, they're getting their ass kicked, and then the kids come, and it's like, cool. The kids did it. It's not the government being like, all right, kids, get ready to die. <laughs> <laughs> they're just like, no, like, we need to help them, and they, like, steal their way in. Because, I mean, we already sort of established that they can... Pretty much get in wherever they want. They yeah. Like, kaiju, like. Ex- exactly. There's a, something they... Our, like, disbelief can go farther than that. Yeah. They've already pushed it to the brink at that point. Okay. Uh, I like that. Yeah, they really just need to question <laughs> their superiors a little bit. Just, like, give them any form of, like, interesting kind of addition. Because they were just kind of there because, like, they were kids. It kind of felt like an attempt to kind of appeal to that, like, Hunger Games divergent audience. And they're like, they're teenagers, <laughs> but they're going to save the world. Uh, it's, like, cool. Nope, I agree. So, also, Amara's backstory is very similar to... Um, Mikos? Makos in the first one where it's like, oh, her family died in a kaiju attack. Like, what's another backstory we could do for Amara? 
This is a good question because it's like, I'm almost not mad. I mean, it's basic, but then if you think about it logistically speaking, like a lot of people's families probably died in a kaiju attack. Oh, absolutely. Like, dude, that whole final <laughs> battle, like I like how they're just like, oh yeah, um, everyone left. So us destroying buildings is chill. <laughs> but even in that Sydney fight, like, dude, people definitely like people hundreds died. of thousands of people died in that. But I wonder if it would have made it more interesting if a kaiju didn't squish and kill her family, but one of the Jaegers. Yep, that's where I was going to go with it. Yeah. Because like, then she could be more, like, resistant to joining and something like that. And that could make the drift compatibility thing just harder because she doesn't want to, like, pilot something that big and dangerous because she knows how much it hurts people. Mm, yeah, that's, okay, that's good. I also want to bring up, like, what if it has nothing to do with the Jaegers or kaiju attacking? Like, what if they just were, like, shitty parents like, <laughs> who just got drunk all the time and abused their other kids or something like that and just left them or either i'll say actually that amara left them yeah. for like to make herself a better person you could also tie it in like that she's like you know like she's this abused kid that always felt powerless and so like she's building a robot you know it's like she's building a suit mm. to protect her from the outside world because she's been hurt for so long like there's a lot of like meat there that you can kind of flesh out Okay, I like both those ideas because, yeah, she's building a bigger robot to fight for herself, but also, like, building an outer shell, you like know? building a wall. And no one can get in. <laughs> Except for Jake Pentecost. Yes. Well, he literally does because he gets into the Jaeger, remember? So he's, like, breaking through that yeah, hard they exterior. Drift compatibility. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I like that, those fixes. Those are nice. Something with uh, Jake in general... You know how they're talking about in the beginning where he's like, oh, I'm a party boy and it's been 10 years since uh, this thing happened and they just really gloss over everything? I think the party that they're at should be like, oh, yeah, it's been 10 years since the last kaiju fight. Like, woo. And, like, every year it's sort of like that. It's like eight, nine, blah, blah, blah. But the thing is Jake hates those celebration things because – it's also the same day and year that his dad died. Yeah, I feel like it'd be more of a sore subject for him. Yeah, and he's definitely still like, oh, yeah, hand me the Hennessy. And, like, no, I feel like if he was more like, you know, I don't like celebrating this because it's literally feeling like I'm celebrating my dad's death or, like, passing away day. I want him to not want to join more because he feels like... He, I want him to feel like he doesn't need to join the whole Jaeger crew thing because he feels like his family's already given up enough to save the world. He's like, hey, I had to grow up without a dad. <laughs> it's more interesting than the whole, like, oh, just, like, I want the establishment because, my, you know, I'm never going to be good enough for you pops. Like, it's a lot more interesting. You, you can still have that dynamic, but that's more so because, like, oh, well, this entire program took away my family. Because and... it's even not just with his dad, but also his half-sister. Like, he's like, we've been so involved with this and there's nothing going on and I feel like I feel like we've done enough and he wants to be his own he wants to live his own lifestyle yeah like I don't want I don't need to help anybody like we've already been the hero for so long yeah he needs to have more character to him because like John Boyega is trying his hardest yeah but he's a good actor but he, he just didn't get much <laughs> no like you can see he was eat, literally eating up the ice cream <laughs> he tried so hard <laughs> And the movie in general, I think, needs more humor with it. The like, humor was very half-assed. Like, the part when she's like, oh, you're joining, great. And she, like, turns it off and he goes, oh, she hologrammed me. And, like, that's the punchline yeah. you're going with? Like, 
just kind of saying what happened. Well, if the joke was, like, she was sitting there when he walked in, and he's, like, talking to her and stuff, and then she's like, all right, bye, and then disappears. It's like, oh, that was a hologram? Oh, she couldn't take the time of her day to come talk to me? That... Like, like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to, like, she's very obviously a hologram, and then she shuts off. It's like, it's like if they were talking on the phone, and then he's like... And she hung up on me. Like, yeah. Like, you might get a slight chuckle of, like, I mean, yeah. But it's like, yeah, people do that. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't, you know, the, a part of an element of humor, I feel like, is, like, a surprise and something unexpected happening. And it's like, mm, I pretty much expected that to happen. Yeah. Uh, and he's, like, a little butthurt about it, too. And it's like, what would what, you expect? Yeah. Would you <laughs> she told you what you needed to do. <laughs> You have your call to action. Now let's get the end up to like the rising action of the of the film. And then like you know like I feel like yeah, and the humor like they you know throwing in the troll guy was just kind of a desperate attempt at that point. Well, it's like it's not like pop culturally, but like that was a funny joke in the late two thousands. Like I remember watching that video when I was in high school. It's a dead meme. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's like if they're listening to Don't Want to Break You Down, or uh, Don't Want to Give You Up. No, Never Gonna Give You Up. It's like if they started playing that. It's like, okay. I feel like that even would have been more, like, well-received. Because, like, Rick Rowling's pretty eternal. The Trollalala hasn't been relevant since, like, the late 2000s. Yeah. They need to quit more. That's a lot. That's a very common thing I say. But, you know, just quit more. Have some fun. They, you know what you're in. (laughs) Like, just, like. Like, have fun with it. Like, no one's taking Pacific Rim seriously. And, like, I think that that was another problem is that I think, you know, they're trying to set up, like, the precursors. Like, did they even call them precursors in the first film? I don't remember. Exactly. And, like, you know, they're trying to build, like, a universe now around Pacific Rim. And it's like, I'm not really here for the universe. Like, just, like, have some quips, have some spunky characters. And, like, let's watch those robots fight those monsters. Yeah, and also, like, the end credit scene-ish thing where they're like, we're bringing the fight to them, like... I feel like 2018, that's sort of a cardinal role not to do. Because if you don't do it, man, you just look really stupid. Like, at the end of Ghostbusters 2016, when they're like, hey, yeah, I'm listening to something. What's Zool? And they're like, oh, the sequel. But it's like, I don't think that sequel's happening. And it's, it's a it, pretty ballsy move on their part, but I do think Pacific Rim 3 will happen. We'll see. I know the box office was, like, decent. Uh, this was, like, a $150 million, $165 million film, so it's uh, not cheap. Not I don't cheap. think Guillermo del Toro will let us down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that he's an Oscar-winning director. <laughs> yeah. I would love to see Pacific, if he does Pacific Rim 3 and directs it, like, from Oscar winner Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> Pacific Rim 3. <laughs> it will be the greatest moment of my life. Oh, man. Going with uh, Charlie Day, this is one of the bigger things. He just doesn't come off intimidating. But I like that. Uh, I don't know. I feel like it's definitely more of a, like, it's just weird, I feel <laughs> like. Because Charlie Day is just not a scary presence, I would say, or intimidating at all. And when he's trying to do it, it's just, like, a little funny. I think they should have tried more, because I think they do have that part where, like, elements of, like, original Newt's coming out, and he's like, no, like, they have my brain, they have my brain. They should have done, like, your more kind of classic, like, they have my brain, and then it's like, we have his brain. <laughs> like, that, like, low-ass, like, he's ours now, and, like, like something a little bit more, mm-hmm. like, to distinguish between the two Charlie days, and I think that would have helped. 
Like, I'm not against him being the villain, because I do think it's a little unexpected, and it's, like, it's a little quirky, and, like, it's, like, you know, like, it's Charlie Day. It's, it's, that's pretty fun. But I feel like he doesn't, Charlie doesn't, doesn't, again, have anything to work with. Yeah. And it's just not the right character for him. What if you think Herman was that guy? I just think it would have been a little bit more... I mean, I guess, like, Pacific Rim, we're not necessarily expecting it to be different, but it would have felt very basic. Yeah, but I feel like if you switch the two, where, like, oh, Charlie Day is now the one that's working, doing everything, like, he has a lot more, like, he's more charismatic than Herman. That's true. Because Herman's just, like, very, like, I'm a scientist, and I did this illegal thing with uh, the blood. Where if Charlie Day's doing, he's like, oh, yeah, you know, it might be a little illegal, but it's okay, it's okay. It's for science. Then the name of science. Laws were made to be broken. Like, that would be Charlie's thing of it. And I could see the actor for who plays Herman more as, like, could see him being more into being taken over by an alien and, like, really work up, like, a disheveled or, like, insane... And mad scientist, if you will. <laughs> yeah, exactly, literally, than Charlie Day. And I think if Charlie Day is in the Herman role, he has more fun with it. And that lifts the film up a bit more because Charlie Day is just, like, funny. Yeah, he is funny. I don't know. There's something about him being the villain, though, that I kind of liked. And I don't know if it was just because, like, I wasn't really expecting anything out of his character other than comedic relief. So I was like, hey, like, that's different. But it was more of, like, you know, it's kind of like the same thing with, like, a lot of scenes where it's like, gold star for trying. Like, they, they did try. It's <laughs> the catchphrase for Pacific Rim 2. <laughs> Pacific Rim 2, we did try. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's different, but I I mean, I guess, yeah, we could have been like, oh, it was so predictable, and I saw that coming for Herman. And, I mean, could you have, though? Could you have predicted Herman? Yeah, I mean, if I was like, if one of them was going to go back, I mean, if, they, if, if we didn't have the, I mean, obviously the Charlie Day love scene <laughs> with the kaiju definitely does go, okay, well, Charlie Day's gonna be the bad guy. Like, as soon as you see that, you're like, all right, he's gone. But, like, if that wasn't in the film, I'd be like, all right, Herman's gonna do something bad. Because he is just a more, you know, he's got a cane and everything. He's such yeah. a menacing guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's got dark hair, like... <laughs> Obviously, any people with canes and dark hair, jeez. Just, like, every Russian person. <laughs> like, so, like, and, I mean, you could do the whole thing where, like, you kind of have a trick out. Like, you're like, oh, like, Charlie Day's been, like mind-fucking the kaiju, so, like, he's gonna be a bad guy, and then it turns out, no, like, he just has a very odd opioid issue, Well, maybe he's, like, trying to play both sides, like, yeah, I'm totally, my mind's up with them, and he's really like, no, I'm trying to get information from them. And then you have, like, and then Herman turns out he's been behind it the whole time. Yeah, yeah, I think that should be it, because say, like, um, John Boyega goes to Charlie Day's place, and he's like, what, what is this? And then it's definitely like, oh, wait, like, you're the bad guy. And he's like, no, I'm not. I'm trying to be good. And then he's like, you're the one that's been setting everything up. And, and then they, it. like, they throw Charlie Day in jail. And then, like, Herman goes down to visit him. And you think there's this, like, intense heart-to-heart where Herman's like, Charlie, how could you do this? And Charlie's like, dude, I swear it wasn't me. And then Herman's like, yeah, I know. And then you're like, <laughs> oh, shit. And then, like, Herman goes and, like, wrecks havoc while Charlie Day is, like, sitting in yeah. the prison. Like, someone listen to me. Exactly. Yeah, I like that a lot better, too. Like, because Herman has that one scene where he's like, yeah, I have nightmares about everything. 
it, this is this tall corn line, but this is like for Pacific Rim too, and he's like, they weren't nightmares, they were dreams. <laughs> yeah, just like something, it just like that would have been so much more like. I'm actually I'm on board now with Charlie Day not necessarily being. I think I just liked it too because it gave more screen time to Charlie Day. Yeah, he has like tw- not even twenty minutes in this, right? Probably yes. more like twelve altogether. Probably, but no, I think that'd be all. And then like that leaves more room for more Charlie Day in the third movie because I feel like right now his character is gonna be pretty limited. Yeah, it will just be. Like, yep, I'm still stuck in jail, guys. <laughs> Big lit. It's <laughs> good progress on that. Yeah. The Charlie Day performance does make or break it for you in this film, I feel like. Uh, he's a... It's weird for a character that's so small in the film how, how much of an impact he has just because, like, Charlie Day was pretty much the only character I remembered from the first film, mm-hmm. other than, like, Idris Elba, obviously. So, like, him in the second film, it's like, he's pretty much the only character that I really care about. Because, like, it's Charlie Day. How can you not love him? Oh, absolutely. I guess the next thing I want to talk about is Riley. <laughs> like, Where was he? Yeah. No, and, like, they don't bring him up or say anything from what I remember when I was watching it. No. They ro- and- mentioned him in the... When uh, Jake Pentecost is giving his, like... Idris Elba, Idris Elba speech mm-hmm. and he's like we don't be like the heroes like um what's his bucket and Riley and you're like <laughs> Riley that guy and then it's like never again <laughs> I the actor didn't do this because he just like had scheduling conflicts yeah which is like fine okay but give us a reason like don't say he's dead because I hate it when that happens. Like when I was wa- when we watched Jaws: The Revenge, they're like, "Yeah, Rose Schneider died because he was scared." I was like, "Well, that was dumb." <laughs> well, don't kill him off because, like, obviously he has a chance to be in Pacific Rim Three, and we don't want to take that away from him. But some sort of mention of like, you know, maybe he got hurt in a Jaeger attack or something, and he's like incapacitated, or like we couldn't put him in for like a two minute scene, or he's like gone. I don't know, like Luke Skywalker, and he's just like off to some island somewhere. Yeah. Honestly, just give us anything to know where he is located. Especially because, like, Mako dies. Yeah. Where the hell is he? Exactly. Like, there's... I, I mean, I'm assuming there's a funeral and everything, but, like, damn, that's a real dick move for not showing up to your, like... Your pretty... partners, like... Did they have a romance in the first movie? No, it okay, was, like, good. the first will they or won't they where they don't. Okay, cool. But say if we were... Say scheduling ended up working and everything, like, what would you want to see from him? in this movie. I think Scott Eastwood wouldn't be in the film. Okay. I think I think Riley would take his place because Riley's kind of on board with the program now. Mm-hmm. So it's, you still have that dynamic of like the good soldier that's like, I get it. I'm ready to be here. And then you have Jake that's like, I don't believe in the establishment and blah, blah, blah. And honestly, I mean, much love to the actor who plays... Riley, but this is the fault of the film, not the fault of his own. But you could have switched him out with Scott Eastwood, and I probably wouldn't have noticed. Yeah. Because, <laughs> no. like, I, I honestly, I didn't remember his name. After watching the first film, I remember driving home with my dad, and we are like, that was so cool, like, oh, so awesome, the kaijun. <laughs> and then my dad was like, what was the main guy's name again? And I was like, Rodney? And then we ended up Googling it. And, like, that's the no fault towards the actors on that one. That's purely the lack of character development but you probably could have switched him out and i wouldn't have noticed no definitely i think that is the thing what we could have done is just copy and paste different actors names into that role like an iron man 2 type situation where you just kind of like switch him but i think the actor actually does want to come and do it he's just bummed out that it didn't work out yeah it's unfortunate I guess then, say if we do have him, do we still have... Is the movie still in the perspective of John Boyega, or is it still, like, with Riley character? 
I think they should still go with the perspective of John Boyega because he's just his character is more interesting than Riley. Because mm-hmm. Riley's character is just I, I mean I don't even remember any of his backstory pretty much at all because he's just he's it was he was a very forgettable character pretty much throughout the first few films and like it, it'd be nice to have him in the second film but I don't want a whole other film about him because he didn't engross me the first time. I still think it would still center around John Vallega and then Riley kind of transitions from like main guy to more of a side character. I would like him to be the lead, I think, because then John Boyega's character doesn't have so much, like, pressure on him. As like co-lead? Yeah, I think he should just be the co-lead, basically. Because then he's, like, still free to, like, have the ice cream scene, and it's like, all right, there's your personality. I don't need to know about your bad deal-making with, you know, hot sauce and cars. Yeah, like, there you go. Come and on. we didn't really like the kid stuff in general. Like, all right, let's just cut the kid stuff out. Like, and bye-bye. And then I think we should really just play up, like, all right, our family's given so much, and my dad died, and now you want me back. Like, what? And, and Riley's like, I fought with your father. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I knew him. He was a good man. But he believed in this program, and you should, too. And like, right. yada, yada, yada. Yeah. I think that would just be a more interesting dynamic. Because, like, I mean, no offense to Scott Eastwood's character, but it's kind of like, oh, hi, a Captain America-type dude. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, it, it, was pre- it was pretty flat. No, I agree. Just a couple-day-old Cokes, you know? They're pretty flat. Mm. <laughs> Okay, well, is there uh, anything else you want to do in surgery? Um, no, I think we can wrap this one up. Okay, um, I know you have a fun little theory about big monster movies and everything that you wanted to talk about. Yeah, so the original Pacific Rim theory sparked this theory that me and my father uh, came up with. It's the reason why Pacific Rim did so well, despite, if you look at it objectively, like, the plot's terrible, there's no character development, like, it's pretty garbage in regards to all of those things. But we loved every minute of that film, and we realized that it had equal parts giant robot to giant monster ratio. And we think that that really kind of cracks the code, because basically our theory is this, any movie that has monsters or robots in it can always be improved by having equal parts of the other. So the Transformers movies, mm-hmm. great robot-on-robot action. But what would be better? The Transformers fighting giant monsters. King Kong, great movie. However, King Kong fighting a mech, even better. So <laughs> that's basically the long and the short of it, and I think Pacific Rim really hits it nail on the head because they delivered us a movie that they told us when that movie came out, we're going to give you giant robots fighting giant monsters. And that's all they gave us, and that was 100% okay. That's the long and the short of it. I think it's a pretty flawless film theory. I'd like to see anyone try and fight me on it. <laughs> I think we'll put this theory into practice. Um, you know, upcoming monster movies that we'll end up doing, we will make sure to have that in the background. Sam and I will debate. I mean, you see, Jaws, I mean, Jaws, objectively, good film. Great yeah. film. Oh, absolutely. But how cool would it have been if they fought the shark in, like, an underwater mech? i'm just i'm not saying that you know the movies can't be great with Uh, only one but the the addition of the other will always improve i I like it i think uh we we will definitely put the test this uh theory to the test it's the golden ratio of cinema exactly is there anything else you want to tackle I think that's pretty much it. I mean, I can't wait for Pacific Rim 3. I'll be there. I'm, I'm more than willing. <laughs> as stupid as these movies are, I am more than willing to dish out the $8 to go and see it because I know that I'm going to get just some of the most gorgeous fight scenes I think I'll ever see. How do you feel about a Godzilla, King Kong, Pacific Rim fight movie? I'd, I'd be, like, front row. I'm there. 
Because like there's plenty, there's plenty of movies that are gonna give me plot and like feelings and all those different things. Right. You know, like Shape of Water, like you know whatever other movies were in the Oscars this year. I don't know <laughs> who the hell knows. But very few movies are there to just give me entertainment. <laughs> right. 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 So yeah, if a movie like that came out, you best believe I'm buying a ticket. I'm pre-ordering a ticket. Oh. <laughs> like, why do you think other movies like The Meg do so well? That's very true. That's very true. A Pacific Rim. King Kong, Godzilla, Meg fight movie. I'm there, hundred mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> percent. And the plot twist: the Meg's the good guy. Oh what? my god! <laughs> this is gonna dive into Alien versus Predator territory. If oh not careful. God. <laughs> hey, someone work on that comic right now, please. Give it to us. <laughs> Well, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. If you want the newest content from us, please, you know, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram at Dr. Script. Uh, we have a Twitter somewhere. And please subscribe to the podcast for the newest episodes that pop up in your feed. If you have the time, please give us five stars. Those little things go a long way for us. Helps iTunes know we have an active community. I know you guys are a bunch of solid good dudes. And dudettes. Um, dudes and dudettes. <laughs> Um, so come back next week. We'll be tackling another episode. Same time, same place. Thank you so much to our guest, Serena. She's Thanks for having me. Lovely, lovely guest we have here. Um, yeah, thanks again for listening. Take it easy. Enjoy the holidays. Bye. Bye.